0: Hello, and welcome to Sustainable Business Fridays hosted by the Bard MBA in Sustainability. My name is Stephanie Milbergs, and I am Assistant Director of the program. Before we introduce our guest, Maria Sedio, founder of CorpTalk and WASH, I want to provide some background about the Bard MBA. We are one of a few programs globally that fully integrate sustainability into our curriculum from the ground up. We are a low-residency program where part of our courses are taught online and the other portion are taught over long weekend residencies in New York City. We are a deeply experiential program, with first-year students partaking in a course called NYC Lab, where they work on real-world sustainability challenges for clients. In recent years, clients have included UBS, Unilever, and Lockheed Martin. This year, we are working with Con Ed Solutions, HSBC, and Inward Point, a startup. I will now turn over the conversation to our MBA student host, Carrie Sinclair, who will introduce Maria and start the discussion about our conversation-based approach to systems thinking in corporations. Welcome, Carrie and Maria.
1: Good afternoon. Um, this is Carrie speaking. and Thank you, Maria, for joining us on this call. Thank you, Stephanie, for hosting it. Um, these are always really great conversations it's to speak about some of the ideas Uh, happening in our business world and our sustainable business world. Maria is the founder of Corp Talk uh, Communications and Strategy Leadership Program uh, for companies and also of the WASH, which is a narrative leadership platform for women. Maria, would you like to speak a bit about your enterprise? Yes, great. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Carrie, and thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, um, you mentioned both Corp Talk and um, and Wash. So Corp Talk is um, an executive coaching, organizational development, and design firm uh, where we specialize in um, bringing systems thinking into organizations to really integrate uh, whole systems change. So looking at the ways in which um, conversations really drive business development change in outcomes uh, whether it's creating a sense of community in an organization and, and a culture and, and shaping that identity through um, the um, the quality of interaction and the quality of discussions that take place to drive business decisions and and to uh, shape the direction of the business or um, um, whether it's looking holistically at how the expanded networks and, and constellations of relationships really determine how healthy a business um, is, and, and how robust the decisions um, and the discussions that drive the decisions will be. So, in Wash, Wash would be a um, a nonprofit expression of similar work. It looks at how women have been down at the riverbanks and in our backyards, washing clothes and sharing our lives since the beginning of time. And I use WASH as a metaphor for that coming together, uh, creating um, an egalitarian kind of platform for problem solving and caretaking and community building. Um, I also uh, look at WASH as a way to really um, surface and uh, dissolve some of the biases that are just embedded into um, every culture and every um, every um, education construct, etc. So those are two separate areas, um, um, applications of my work, but uh, the underlying principles and um, and uh, the uh, organizing thinking is really quite similar. In, orga- in organizations, I'm sorry. Um, in organizations, I, I should elaborate just a moment. In organizations, the way that that um, is delivered is through um, leadership development, team development, sea um, level advisement, uh, and um, and you know innovation uh, incubators or uh, uh, intensives. And in Wash, the way that that application is put into play is through participatory art, dialogues, and discussions that are a little bit more personal and closer to the bone um, in terms of how women are shaping the, um, um, the notion of what it means to be a leader. Indeed, conversation is a topic that has been coming up Um, A lot for us in this program, but also many re-emergent conversations taking place right now uh, throughout the elements of society. Companies typically focus on growth and profitability and less on on conversation. But for you, at the end of the day, it's very important to speak about, to have conversations about um, intra and inter- company dynamics uh, and the individual why do you have this emphasis on conversation as an approach yes well actually I mean we if we're going to focus on a process how does that process get created Um, we have to have a a qualitative discussions um, and conversations that really look at what a process serves how it can uh, how it's optimal who needs to be involved how do people engage, et cetera. So a process at the end of the day through, through this lens, through the lens we use at corporate is really a, a, a cumulative conversation. And how that gets mapped then and concretized into um, specific uh, agreements that people make in order to have a disciplined approach to working together or to realizing a product, or to providing a service, at the end of the day, it all comes back to the conversation. So whenever there's a problem, whenever there's something that's not working at work, which is where we get called in generally, and by the way, everybody comes home from work every day and says, this isn't working, this could be better, Uh, you know, today was a real struggle, that meeting went on forever, we accomplished very little, these are, uh, you know, there's the litany, and each of us has uh, um, an experience with that. At the end of the day, um, someone has to start talking about it and putting um, a, a pain point, you know, on the table and also opening up new ways to look at that, ideally more inclusive ways, uh, ways that, Take down some of the anxieties and pressures and stressors related to it while uh, allowing it to be examined in uh, and, and, um, and as almost a uh, a pathway to a new and better solution, more inclusive solution that can only happen if people are talking that doesn't happen. Nobody can go into a vacuum, figure it out, come up with a process, and say this is how it's going to work you know. Um, in the past, maybe they've tried, but it, it doesn't work. And I think there's a general realization that we need um, uh, people to be involved in the in the decisions and the maps that they use on a daily basis in order to get qualitative work done. At the end of the day, also, we focus on, on um, conversation because it's the resource that's available to all of us. If you um, chart your day and say how much of the time um, was spent in communicating generally. Um, it's an extraordinary amount of time. And if you peel it back the onion, even time that we think we're doing things, independent of communication, we're really in uh, a different level of that communication, either through a, a, an internal thought dialogue, a conversation with ourselves, or by preparing information that will then enhance a conversation with others. So at the end of the day, it's 24-7 from my perspective. We know that even when we're sleeping, the brain is very active and we're communicating in our dreams. So as a point of entry, it's it's the point of entry that's most available to us. And when you look at it that way, you can say, well, how much of our... How much time do we spend really honing the skills when it comes to creating conversations of deeper meaning, purpose, and also um, greater efficiency? Whatever the business need is, um, we need to start talking about it in more qualitative ways. And Generally, I would say that we're operating on a 5-watt bulb when we have the full power of the sun and natural energy to draw from. Our conversations uh, uh, can really transform how we look at problems, how we explore solutions, but also how we look at each other. A a sincere and and difficult conversation with somebody can transform that relationship into something much, much stronger. Um, Generally, people will talk about having problematic relationships at work, but when you look at it, they really haven't put the disagreement or the the differences on the table, not in a healthy way, not in a constructive way, to examine, appreciate them from different perspectives, and then maybe integrate them into something that's that's stronger, more resilient, maybe more promising than the the polarity that was in play and um, and the stress that they were experiencing. So in many ways, when we go into organizations, we see this generalized, you know, low-grade fever um, that's in place because people are not having the conversations, not willing to risk the conflict and feeling, you know, safer maybe in a more um, neutered or, you know, just this, this zone of dull information sharing. There are two ideas that you just mentioned that are particularly interesting to me in relation to what we're speaking of in that the internal thought dialogue that everyone has uh, personally, and it is a 24-7 cycle, and how the way we interact either at home or through the internal process is very different from the way we present ourselves in the world, and I think that might contribute to what you also called a low-grade fever, um, yeah. a, a feeling of stagnation and um, ineptitude. I am wondering what kind of buy-in and what your response is from management and CEOs or C-suites is when you bring up a conversation-based approach that yeah. could transform that. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, When I started in the business, I did a lot of work looking at where was the readiness in the marketplace for this kind of model because 20 years ago, um, you know, to speak about conversation as a core business process, as just a few of us were doing, was really, uh, you know, radical. And I think generally it's becoming more and more accepted, although we don't have clarity around what the roadmaps are to really make that happen and how um, companies can integrate that into their culture, a culture of conversation. I think generally people today would say, yes, having good conversations, meaningful conversations is a good thing. But back then, it's not that long ago, but back then it was really quite radical. And I identified at the time um, companies that were more ready to um, bring these ideas into their culture. And I also identified the attributes of the leader who would be ready to bring this model into their um, company or with their teams. And um, some of the qualities are... um, Uh, courage, you know, the courage to look at the complexities of the business and allow those problems to surface and deal with them in a way that um, was exposed, the organizational warts, if you will. Um, So you need a lot of confidence in that leader. You need um, someone who really could weather those storms, um, understanding that ultimately, Uh, by talking through and having these more significant conversations, conversations where more people were involved than less, conversations where um, people were uh, questioning decisions or directions, that overall it was really healthy and it would net the business out in a much better place. So I want to say that that's the minority of leaders. I have been very, very lucky to work with some extraordinary people, CEOs and senior um, leaders in major companies. Um, I I can't say that that they represent majority thinking. They are very special individuals who are willing to take the risks to create a more democratic, open, transparent environment and not just use the buzzwords, you know, Um, and it was also very important to me that the senior most individuals, again, whether CEO or senior, whomever, um, were able to tolerate and to embrace the model, because if not, um, then it would put other people at risk. And I think the model set the context for healthy dialogue, and healthy dialogue can only happen if people are willing to step out of the comfort zone and, and go to the edge a little bit, uh, push at the edges of the conversations that are being had to say, hey, can you look at this differently, or this is really upsetting, or I'm really challenged by this, and I think we suffer as a result of our inability to really examine it and change it. Um, those conversations are easy to have. Um, even for people who have advanced skills, um, they're not easy to have. So um, I think the, the leaders who are are stepping into these models, and I'm not the only one who's doing this. I do it in you know kind of specific ways, and have developed specific um, frames that we like to use. That I think have been trial tested. But there there's a good um, I think evolution and movement in generally in this direction and um and it comes down to making sure that the environment is safe so that people can push at the edges and um and really survive and thrive at work when uh, people feel the risk I, I guess everybody feels the risk of speaking up, but when that risk really um creates an environment where people are either um, Punished or peripheralized or, or um, mocked because they've said something that is outside, um, you know, what gets said usually, uh, then, then there's a real problem. So it's managing all of that, making sure that the leader is, has the courage, the confidence, the calm demeanor to create that environment for his or her um, team, for, for their business, I'm giving a lot of support um, to that individual and then working um, across groups, you know, multi-levels, so that everybody's kind of aligning and buying into the value of a more open, it's a more open society. It's a more transparent but more open society um, overall. I agree that we are in an era of a more open society and that, thankfully, conversation and dissent in organizations is much better tolerated today than it was uh, only one generation ago. But some people would argue that we now over-talk issues or talk around issues or use the idea of conversation or dialogue As a way to avoid committing to particular actions. Um, And we have some very urgent problems to solve. So do you think that this is
0: something that can be mitigated through conversation? Is there a better way to have a meaningful conversation?
1: Yes, very very definitely, Carrie. I think it's the quality of the conversation. When people say, well, we've been talking, 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 and we're not getting anything done, we're not achieving, we're we're still stuck where we were previously. Um, I'll say, well, the conversations changed. Now you're more frustrated, right? (laughs) So um, at at the end of the day, uh, the talking has led to greater frustration. What has to change, though? actually is the conversation, it, be, it needs to become a conversation of greater accountability. Um, and I think that that when people say we're not getting enough done, uh, because we've been talking in circles around this, sitting down to understand, okay, what are we really talking about, though? The circle is avoiding something deeper, and usually it's a conversation of accountability indeed there seems to often be that point where talking is just that and it isn't helping to produce any effective action and there seems to be perhaps a point of a point where there is a diminished return in conversations um, is you have mentioned before these ideas of core leadership calm confidence competency um, and you And I also have mentioned the elements that go into the leadership values, which are vision, value, voice, and velocity. How would you apply any of those Mm -hmm. to a meaningful conversation? Totally. Well, I think, you know, um, the business leader, and by the way, the business leader I believe in leadership at every level. And so a business leader emerges as the person who really hosts the conversation, who, who supports um, a, a, a shift, elevating the conversation so that, you know, um, it's it's more meaningful. So um, – the the people who are best able to do that to kind of sponsor, host, facilitate conversations, bring people out of the comfort zone or the road, are are, are generally people everybody wants to to follow. And we did a lot of research around, you know, what the leadership attributes were and, and, and we ended up with three basically three buckets, three clusters and and the first one is calm. Everybody wants to work for a leader that um, is able to emotionally self-regulate under pressure, right? Who isn't reactive, doesn't fly off the handle, you know, who, who is able to stay calm in the storm. And that's basically emotional intelligence. So in all of our work, we look at creating uh, the capacities around uh, emotional intelligence. The second one is competence. We want to work with people who know what they're doing, and that includes leadership. Is uh, leadership? Is this leader competent? Does he or she really understand what's involved in leading? You don't lead people through the status quo; that's managing. Leading means working through uncertainty. Inherent in leadership is change. Does this person understand, you know, um, the principles of change? Uh, does this person have a, a methodology or a model or a framework? that will allow us to to forge through some of the difficult aspects of, of change. And um, and finally the the so that's expertise and experience, right? And the third one is confidence. We know that, you know, if you if you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. And there's a lot of, of research and and that, that shows that what we believe is possible is likely to become possible. And so therefore, a positive outlook, a generally um, optimistic outlook, I would say even a sunny disposition is really helpful. Someone who has the, the, um, the warmth to really connect with people um, around that and to imbue their confidence in others. So those are the three clusters, and there are lots of different dimensions to each of them. But mostly, I would say, you know, to anyone who's listening to this on the call, that if you can do one thing to address stress, so that you can um, create a greater sense of calm um, in your work and with others, you've achieved something really wonderful that that can affect a whole team or a system, and no less. You will obviously feel better. But if there's one thing you can do to become more expert in your work, to have the subject expertise, whether it's in your um, functional area or as a leader, to learn about um, leading in a new way, to read a book or take a course around how to use yourself as a leader or how to identify opportunities uh, within your team to lead um, differently or optimally or energetically. Do that. And then third, confidence. We all need to do our attitudinal kind of self-check and realize that our attitude really cuts the path. And if, in fact, we're feeling you know, gloomy or overwhelmed. And by the way, everyone has um, moments like that, days like that, perhaps periods like that. We live in a complicated world. It's hard to always feel confident about everything that's going on in the in the larger scheme of things. Also, um, everything that's going on, perhaps in on a project, in a in, in a specific work um, initiative, but. It's our responsibility to turn that around. So how do we work to keep that optimism going? Now, who do we need to talk to? Where do we go when the well is a little dry to make sure that we um, are replenished and revitalized and can bring that? So that calm, confident, confident, if you're working that triad, you are growing as a leader. And you want to look for leaders who imbue those, those uh I would say those kind of clustered characteristics, uh, and we do that naturally, by the way. Uh, naturally, when people say that's a natural leader, when you start to to peel it away, um, you'll find those uh, those attributes. The the um, other pieces, although they are general to all of the coaching you do as well, in mean, vision, values, voice, obviously, and and, um, and, and velocity is, is part of it. I really emphasize these um, in the women's leadership um, uh, programs because in many ways um, there are some unique, I think, opportunities and also challenges for women who are um, uh, leading through change, looking to change the, the paradigms, um, uh, the operating paradigms, that are somewhat outdated and introduce new, more collaborative, um, collective um, um, models. When I work with um, someone, very often she'll say to me, I have this vision, but it's, like, too silly. It's, like, too big. Or, you know, um, in, in articulating the vision to me, as an, an advisor or a coach, they'll, they'll um, state it and step back from it. This happens more often than than you can imagine. And so uh, principally, we really look at owning, particularly for women, but for everyone. These are general rules, but um, again, as a special emphasis on the um, the four Vs for our women's leadership, owning that vision and, and recognizing that um, that's the first step. To really creating change and and um, and stepping into your leadership, so we would be able to create that map, create that vision, and then whatever that big picture vision is, ideally it's bold enough um, to mobilize others, and it's linked to values that you really care about, things that you would put yourself on the line for, that you would. Um, lose something for, maybe even um, something, you know, crucial and important. I won't um, uh, continue in this role unless I see that some of the uh, practices we use are, are linked to social justice or better environmental decisions or whatever, but that those values are embedded. And then it's really having the voice. The conversation model is um, a a user-friendly model. You don't need to have stature to step into the conversation, to insinuate yourself into a conversation. And so to have the voice, to have your ideas formulated sufficiently so um, that you can insinuate into a conversation, again, increasingly more strategic conversations, deeper, more meaningful conversations, more uh, conflicted conversations, and navigate them effectively, and not lose your voice, and know that you are, you have earned the your um, your setting at the table, right. And now it's your time, it, uh, it's your charge to speak up and to be able to do that with confidence. Again, uh, calm, competent, confident voice. The, the fourth one is velocity. And I guess people say, you know, are you getting impatient? And I think the answer to that is yes. Um, and this goes back to what you said before, Carrie, about lots of talk, no action um, uh, sometimes. And I think that we definitely need to speed things up. We have a planet that, um, you know, um, irrefutably, notwithstanding, you know, a few outlier um, um, scientific uh, um, uh, 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 advocates for uh, the planet being on a a general and, and, and healthy course, most would agree that we are in serious trouble. So we have a serious, serious... Um, our conversations to have around that, and we need people who can host those conversations. We have complex um, problems around the global workforce and finding meaningful um, work where um, people can be uh, compensated and can create a mindset of um, uh, optimism around the future based on the work that they do and the general outlook of business. We have so many um, uh, different areas where we have significant problems that aren't going away that need to be addressed, and we can't waste any time. So I think that we want to become impatient with change, Um, and we want to have qualitative, healthy conversations that support that impatience to realize Um, outcomes and activities that will really um, influence uh, what we do in the planet, what we do in terms of um, social and economic equity um, globally, how we manage to educate our next generations and do it in such a way that they are um, um, able to take on the complex uh, uh, scenarios and problems that are part of the legacy Uh, they inherit so we we don't I um, I think so looking at that I say how can you how can you speed up what you're doing and um, you've probably heard me it's a common refrain I will tell people to get out in front of the conversation and don't look back don't start to let your fears about um, leading uh, um, undermine your ability to lead this happens often um, um, for women, that once they are in a position of leadership and they're fully qualified to be there, in fact, they have incredible promise given um, the, um, the, the mindset and, um, and the principles they're operating with, there's still a tug somehow to slow it down or a tug somehow um, about uh, really owning that, that role. And um, I think, no, we need more women Leading on the front end, um, bringing the um, some of the um, the natural leadership attributes that they have to the forefront, and really putting them into the mix as we build these new hybrid businesses that go from a paradigm where hierarchy, you know, was really clear. You know, is no longer effective if it ever was really effective for for most, and um, and establish more hierarchical kind of um, business designs and um, and manage the behavioral and the mindsets that need to change in order to get there. And when I talk about that, women have a natural affinity for many of the skill sets required to manage through uncertainty. Um, I also mean men who have a um um a um a real awareness about themselves and a real awareness about um how to host inclusive, engaging um conversations. So it's not about men or women. Um it's about I like to say men who sometimes think like women, which is a great compliment. And I have a, a number of men I've worked with and I've turned to them um, and said, "You know what? you think like a woman, and that's incredible um, compliment because it's allowed you to connect in ways where um, very often um, I uh, have not seen it, um, not based on the traditional model of doing business, which was somewhat emotionally remote to uh, uh to um, you know a CEO or a leader. Um, connecting with the um, the body of employees or participants or community, um, um, which um uh, I would agree that each of these principles, which you've mentioned, is important and to some degree becoming more present in the interactions of various organizations and structures worldwide. Um, another one that we have spoken about point is mindfulness and this mindfulness has emerged in the past week um, as a discipline of much interest uh, as an alternative to other types of therapies and uh, communications programs you have a background as well in family therapy would you like to speak to mindfulness a bit yeah i mean I, definitely i mean I, mindfulness I, right now it's a label right but but when, when we look at mindfulness and we look at the practice of whether it's meditation yoga or a reflection appreciation just kind of quieting down to to allow for um like shifts in consciousness and and, and such um, there's there's nothing more beautiful and there's nothing more hopeful in the therapeutic world in terms of really healing. And I think definitely we want to encourage um, the quality of the conversation is enhanced through the practice of being quiet and being more comfortable with some of the mysteries um, of the mind. And that that can occur when we're, you know... Um, uh, floating in the, uh, absorbed in the noise of the, of the world or, uh, the info sludge that we have to manage. There's a need to step out and to be more mindful, more appreciative, more attentive to the, the nuance, the subtlety of experience, the absence of experience and such. And I think that that becomes the conduit and, and, and part I would include that as part of the conversation. It's the, it's the pause in the conversation. It's a really healthy pause, and it informs a qualitative conversation. So I want to encourage that. Um, uh, you know and conversation is the cure. Well, um, um, mindfulness and, and practices that really allow us to rest into our brains, so to speak, um, enhance all of that. I do worry about mindfulness being a new brand, a new thing to do to achieve something, a new goal, um, a new um, technique. I think that that would be such a such a misconstruing and, and such a uh, a deconstruction in a, in a really not good way of what is possible uh, um, through these practices, so I encourage the practices. I hope they're brought into more businesses, so so that yes, we could make more mindful decisions, more right-minded decisions about um, how we take on the complexity of our business decisions and how they impact community and and how they you know, the internal community, the employee body, as well as the you know um, com- consumers and and our, our our hosting communities where our businesses are located. I really hope for that. I would not want to see it as a a choose to do thing or something jammed into a schedule because it's going to make us more productive. That it will make us more productive and productive in better ways is great. It's an outcome and I, I, I believe that it's also true. But for it to be co-opted um, as a corporate tool, I think would be sad tragic even so i want it in every organization in everybody's life but i um I, I want to be attentive that it's given its full due and for the right reasons and it's Maria, possible also i'm sorry
0: oh no sorry carrie i was um just to stay on that track for a second this is stephanie and you know Maria, I'm really fascinated by this topic of mindfulness because, you know, Wisdom 2.0, these big conferences that become kind of all the rage um, yeah. from Silicon Valley now spreading to the East Coast. And I was wondering if you knew much about those conferences, if you could comment on what they're doing to bring mindfulness to the more mainstream corporate world.
1: Yeah, I, I can't speak to the conference in, in, in detail specifically. I mean, I've been tracking um and going to conferences where you know there are increasingly more workshops on mindfulness and and such and i think i'm really seeing both the opportunity um to to just create a, a, a shift in consciousness which ultimately um, means a shift in the in the quality of the conversation and what we're capable of collectively. So that is, is is awe-inspiring, and it's where I would be confident. As uh, to go back to the three C's, I become more confident in what is possible in the future. On the other hand, I see another way of you know um, our, our productivity becoming the um, the uh, life. Uh, goal and um, and productivity, of course, uh, is important. But uh, mindful productivity and um, and and productivity that comes out of need and thoughtfulness is is really a goal. Yes, but productivity that comes out of the anxiety of the marketplace. And using mindfulness to to become more productive, to address the anxiety of the marketplace, I think um, I'm concerned about that. And so I don't know that Silicon Valley should be the holders of the mindfulness uh, key. Um, I think it has to be more widespread and generalized, and 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 more. More about a multidiscipline coming together in which they would be represented as well, but the therapeutic community probably would be um, um, more sensible to that. It right.
0: the Thank spread you. Thank of sorry, to really cut you off. It, Go ahead. No, 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 no.
1: Um, the spread of mindfulness or. Black communication, really heterarchical organizations is distinctive of the incoming millennial generation and workforce. What are the challenges? What is the key challenge to for the formation of a heterarchical organization, Maria? Yeah. Well, I think it goes to, um, you know, it's not as clear, right? Um, a, a hierarchical uh, organization has a real clear flow, and there are some times where you want that, in you know, the triage or, you know, um, uh, in certain circumstances, you really want a, a very, very clear map who's making this decision uh, um, and, and, and why. But a hierarchy is based on positional power. In the hierarchy, those decision maps get made, but they're created based on who should be making that decision contextually, given the moment in time and what the um, targeted outcomes are and what the uh, supportive context is. So it requires a lot more discernment, um, and that discernment can only occur in the conversation, and it can only occur when there are real trusting relationships, and I would say trusting relationships grow out of real conflict resolution or real examination of differences and valuing and appreciating those differences. And we have a long road to hoe there. So I think the millennials and, and the generation that you speak of is it, wanting that very much and has, is creating inroads and examples and has the energy um, to, to transform um, the marketplace and, and how we do business in, in so many ways. And that's the plus side. I also see uh, sometimes that everybody is saying the right things but really sitting down and having conversations that involve more complexity um I'm not so sure we're building that skill set in the um in the, the uh, more recent generations and I am seriously concerned about um uh, growing generations where um the um uh, the wherewithal to stay in a long, boring um, conversation that is is um, is hiding some deeper kind of experience, rift, conflict, challenge, or promise, or mystery that that like very few would have the patience to do that. You know, sometimes in a conversation, you have to watch the grass grow. Um, and you also have to look someone in the eye and just be physically and emotionally present in that space and I think that um of course, there are some people who who naturally do that, but the emphasis on technology and this twenty you know twenty four seven connectivity with the iPhone, people sleeping with their iPhones, et cetera actually is not the kind of communication I'm talking about it can facilitate some of that. It has a place in it. But I worry that um, in some ways we think we're communicating um, and we're missing um, the depth and the promise of um, real communication. And I don't know that um, you can identify that um, all that early in life. Maybe not identify it. But there is, there are tools um, that help to map delays in communication and uh, the breakdown of an interaction. And you know quite a bit about that work in systems thinking. In fact, that's how we met each other. Um, and yes. we're... Yes. And I think those tools and the mindset and the desire for this, you know, the generation who's really, you know, stepping in and will be taking over, I find I have a lot of optimism. I believe that the, the systems thinking as, as a tool, is a mind, um, set that emphasizes the relational health, right, and the wholeness of any system um, or all systems um is is going to be key and i think that this generation is, is uh has a, an intuition as well as uh a formal education into applying systems thinking um, yeah i think I, I i and then i would advocate for you know the mix always the mix and that's intergenerational it's across socioeconomic lines it's across all sorts of cultural lines it's Uh, Including all, um, uh, uh, it's taking representations from every um, um, race, every uh, expression of gender, and pulling um, everyone into the solution. So, and that is, that calls for a wise um, kind of collective experience. I think we're up to it increasingly um, but only as examples, because the the general trends are um are um you know busy um, busy rapidly um uh, talking about little and um, not making inroads into the significant problems we have no absolutely this era that we're in calls for calm confidence and competency. Um, I do want to leave space for anyone who is calling in to ask a question, if that is okay. Stephanie?
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Carrie. So um, if anyone on the line would like to ask Maria a question, please press five star on your phone and I will unmute you. So again, that's five star if you're interested in asking a question. And if we don't get any right away, um, we'll move forward with questions, but if you do have a question, do hit five-star, and I will call on you as soon as a moment is free. So, um, Carrie and Maria, we don't have any questions at the moment, so, Carrie, if there's some other things that you wanted to discuss, let's uh, move forward with those.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, One concept that we have discussed, Maria, and in relation to systems thinking and systems breakdowns, it's Skip the Femina, um, the idea that women often inhabit two different environments um, and often take out of context the ideas of feminism and apply them to popular or more status quo patriarchal norms. Mm-hmm. Can you articulate that a bit better than I can, please? Yeah, uh, well, I think you did a great job, and I think that we we've definitely had conversations. If you think about systems thinking, you think about holistic health, and then you think, you know, we have a hundred a uh, uh, million women who are unaccounted for in the globe, right? Then you say, well, that that can't possibly be healthy. That can't possibly be whole. If we look at, um, at we can extend that uh, obviously to whole groups of people um, across uh, um, race and cultural lines that are excluded from culture and are, are, are uh, extensively missing, right? So that can't be whole, that can't be um, um, healthy. Um, I think when, so feminism for me is central because feminism is, um, uh, speaks to making that whole, bringing the quality and, and really healing the great divide, which I would put as the, the gender divide. Um, the first cut is, uh, is you know, is it, is it a boy or a girl? And um, so I've put a lot of emphasis there, um, because I think when we heal that, we heal a lot of the other um, great divides that are out there and, and really um, painful. Um but it's complicated, and I think one of the things that is really complicates things is how, um, um, women, um, um, work sometimes, um, as the, you know, great strength to each other and incredible partners down at the wash line. We really talk about the washer women coming together and, and solving for, um, uh, you know, the, the problem of the day, who, whose kid needed to be fed or, who wasn't well, and how they could um, uh, um, really take care of the community at that wash line. So that's the metaphor. But in many ways, we've been acculturated to messages that keep us from really stepping into our wholeness as, as, um, um, as women, and those messages might be, well, you should go to school, and you should have a great career, and you should be CEO, but make sure, that, you know, you also marry well or make sure that you, you know, look a certain way or whatever. And so I really needed to name that phenomenon. Uh, And in grad school, when I was doing women's groups, I I came up with the term schizofemina. So um, I was studying the um, uh, double bind theory with Gregory Bateson and and how um, uh, they thought they had solved for, uh, you know, the uh, cause of... uh, Of um, schizophrenia um, by through the double bind messaging, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So this kind of schizophrenogenic messaging really created the confusion that then manifested in schizophrenia. It turned out that 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 was not that was not accurate. However, the concept and the and uh, was really really valid for experience in, in, in so many ways in businesses, et cetera, you can we use the double-bind um, theory to explain um, um, problems in, in organizations and in teams. But for women, it was particularly acute, and I thought, well, that's it. It's, it's a seminar. It's damned if you do it's damned if you don't, if you're a woman. There's a cost to every everything we do. You know, if we step into leadership, there's that, there um, very often uh, you know you're accused of, of um of being a you know a, um, a a bitch or you know accused of being um, you know too too bossy too assertive um if you don't then then you're weak and you're frail or you're not up to it there's almost like no clear map, and that schizophrenia uh, experience is really what slows it down. So I link that to the velocity. Like we have to get clear on, on what healthy looks like, and we have to get clear about what our visions are for change. And we have to understand how they're rooted in really important values, and then we need to be able to speak to them. And we need to speak to them with clarity, not in a way that undermines our best efforts because somehow we've been socialized and acculturated to second guess what we're doing or to contradict our best efforts because there's a, a construct that is a you know, legacy construct in place that really nags at us and pulls us back. And that's what schizophrenia really is and that's how it links into the broader picture. Um,
0: it's interesting you, you, you would recommend using um,
1: yes we have to end soon so I
0: we, we do have a question on the line and you know Maria that was super fascinating hearing that that perspective What? how do you define that word and I absolutely agree what would you do <laughs> it's definitely a dilemma so um, why don't we see um, who it is on the line and then we'll see Carrie if there's some time for one or two more questions on your side so um, if you are phone number 973-335-299, I'm going to unmute you now so you can answer, ask your question.
2: Hi, Stephanie. It's Gina Wurtenberg. How are you? Yeah, Hi, I Gina. thought this was... Nice. Hey, I'm a professor. I teach employees and organizations in HR in the BARD program, and it's great to meet you. I love this session. It's been fabulous, and i uh, love to talk to you for hours, but my quick question is uh, you mentioned about the denialists, you know, deny climate change, et cetera, and some other people uh, that are sort of, you know, completely uh, incalcitrant and, and not um, open. And I was just wondering from a conversational point of view if there's any uh, suggestions or tips that you have for causing uh, the needed breakthrough in how to get through to people that are, you know, really not that open and if you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that yeah i thank you gina and um,
1: and uh, you know it's really it, it's complicated it's beyond the scope of a simple solution i i do think one of the frames that we use for shaping a conversation though is is almost um to to look at qualitative data right a really thoughtful analysis um some new way of approaching things, and the experience the sensory experience that's part of the the conversation and I think generally the place to start with with something that's so so disparate is to say i'm i'm here sh- i'm I'm willing to be in the conversation, but our views are very, very different, and I'm not certain. How we can create a path to, to a shared understanding, but I'm willing to try. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to be here. I, um, uh, you know, I. Uh, it's a very hard conversation for me to participate in. Uh, uh, it's a, you know, I'm, I reflect the honesty of your experience is where I would always start. I, I'm, I'm here. And that's a starting point, and it's very, it may seem only symbolic, but I want you to know that it has a lot of meaning for me to sit here um, and disagree with you uh, in, in such a big way over something so important to me, but I'm not leaving the table. I'm willing to mm. sit here. And um, maybe together, or maybe by bringing new voices into our discussion, we can find a way to establish some very basic building blocks that would allow for a common ground, and that might be we all care about future generations, and and mm-hmm. starting there, and I think that you know we we the the solutions to these very very difficult experiences and conversations are increasingly just getting a little bit further along, a little bit how could it be that someone could feel so different about something that I am so clear about and um, uh, 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 have so much evidence um, to, to to demonstrate, um, how could that be? And understanding, well, it is. <laughs> Somehow it came to be, so there's a reason why that person has taken that position. And explore um, a little bit more, what leads you to believe, or how did you come to this way of thinking? It's so different than mine. Uh, these are really just the initial inroads, and I, I don't think you can predict like an outcome from that, but it's a path in, into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know
1: if
2: that's answered your question. And Very I much, understand. yeah. Thank you. That was really helpful. I, I think that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, thank you, that
1: is, and thank you, Gina. Good to hear your voice as well. Um, it sounds, Maria, that what you're saying in some ways is to be present at the table, to employ calm, to employ mindfulness, to stay at the table when the conversation gets difficult or when you really do not understand the perspective of the party across from you, um, but that the presence and that self-awareness can lead to the beginning of a shared vision, perhaps. Yeah, that's, that's really the gist of it. You've got it, Carrie. And I guess part of the, the, the most important piece that maybe didn't come up in our conversation is to really breathe, you know, to, to really breathe into the conversation, to breathe and give yourself space to, um, reclaim your physiology, reclaim your mindset, you know, reposition yourself to have um, an, uh, the ability to stay open, perhaps not to the person as Gina outlined, but that's tough, but to the conversation, somehow the conversation, and, uh, and breathe into that. Thank you very much, Maria. I know that it is already 1 o'clock. That went quickly. Um, so with respect okay. it to everyone, go on time.
0: for another hour easily. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, Carrie If there's anything you wanted to be sure to close on or get a question in, if not, you know, I can do something or we can wrap up. I'll defer to Maria
1: at this point. Well, I, first of all, yeah, Maria. Like I mean, you,
0: do you have it? words. I mean, especially considering that you know we a bunch of our audience of this podcast. In our sustainable MBA program, or students who are very, or people who are very passionate about incorporating environmental and social metrics into business, and really changing the mindset of business. So, do you have any parting words for folks in that space, especially students and people as they go out into the work world and really work to change the system?
1: Yeah, I actually I do. I really want to encourage you. I want to thank you, thank you Stephanie, thank you Carrie, and I want to thank all of you, anyone on the call or listening. Um, and i i I want to say, get out in front and and don't look back um, because the world is looking at you. you are in the front end of really changing how we think about things, how we handle these problems, how we integrate them into um, new models, hybrid models, whether they're private public partnerships or whatever, and there's the the pathways for you are not going to be easy because you're laying down new tracks and I really want to encourage you because um, you hold a lot of the solutions not necessarily um, ready solutions but the path to those and I think you know there's an easy track to go into finance and do exactly this and, and, and there's a lot of personal reward and benefit to doing that but what you're doing is so much Bigger and so much more important from a the standpoint of a citizen um that I just want to um encourage you at the outset of your your um you know m b a to stay the course and I want to thank you and appreciate that you've dedicated your education and your time to something that's so important to all of us.
0: Thank you, Maria. Right. Well, thank you so much for that, and very encouraging I think, for me and for everyone who is, you know, part of this mission in whatever shape we are. We have Gina, who's a professor. I think we have even Goodstein on the line, who's the director of the program. I'm helping to run it as well, and Carrie's a student, so I'm sure we have many more on the line as well. Um, but I just want to say thank you all for joining today. I wanted to let you know that we will be having a follow-up conversation with Irina Mujusha of the Natural Resources Defense Council this upcoming Monday at noon. Unfortunately, last call with her, we had a technical difficulty and we were cut short. So we're going to continue that conversation this Monday. And thank you all so much for being a part of today's conversation. And a very special thank you to Maria and Carrie for all the energy and all the great questions and conversation. And just want to wish everyone a great weekend.
1: Yes. Thank you, Stephanie. The same to all of you. Have a great weekend, all. Thank you. Thank you.